In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 298. That's right. We are talking uh, Green Lanterns number 31. And that's it. This is the uh, finale of the uh, Out of Time story arc, as well as the finale of Sam Humphrey's run on the title. Um, so we just thought we'd get this over with. Uh, take it. I mean, I don't mean that quite as negatively as it sounds. It's just that. Get it taken care of so that the next time we review Green Lanterns, it's for whole for whole, you know no old business, all new business. So we're gonna get this taken care of and wrapped up in this uh, one relatively short episode. That's the plan, man. All right, Mark said he's gonna take away the review, so uh, go for it, man. I have the Graveyard of Light cover. Yeah. Yeah, I like both of the covers actually. I saw both of the covers. The Simon cover was pretty good on this one too. Yeah, not too bad. Can't go wrong with... Uh, well, I guess you could, but in this case, no. Uh, so both covers are pretty good. So this issue's title is Homecoming. Sam Humphrey's writer, Ronan Claquette, Art, Hi-Fi Colors, Dave Sharp Letters, Brad Walker, Andrew Hennessy, and Jason Wright did the main cover, which I guess is the one I have. Uh, Brandon Peterson did the variant cover, and, of course, the usual suspects is our editorial group. So we pick up in the Vault of Shadows, which, of course, based on conversation Chad and I had today, we're going to talk about the, even this. It wasn't this picture in particular that Chad showed me, though. This more or less duplicates the other one. So <laughs> we'll be talking about the, the opening panel <laughs> in this book in a second. We begin in the Vault of Shadows where we see you know, the, seven, the six of the seven corpses, if you will, of the original seven lanterns in their stasis tubes. And now we have... Tyranir, who appears to be dying, being somewhat comforted by Raimi, who somehow, and we'll get to this too, somehow is no, somehow has been his body and his soul have been resurrected, put but put back together again. Now that Volthoom doesn't need his, to wear his body like a cheap suit. Uh, we have little little commentary about you know from uh, Raimi about how you know basically n- none of none of the original Seven Lanterns were what they ex- were, you know. What you'd expect, vigilantes, explorers, mystics, elementals, champions, and a brat, you know, all this stuff, uh, you know, but they, you know, but we, you know, but they were the ones that answered the call, uh, and everything else, uh, as Tyranir kind of phrases it, and as whatever we were, we became united by the rings, we became the first seven lanterns. And then, now we have Tyranir, this is an interesting part too, Tyranir is kind of talking about, but we would have failed, we would have been blood in the mud, Raimi, except Volthoom sent us our secret weapons. He sent us Jessica Cruz. And you can start feeling the BS meter kind of rise right off the bat in this issue. Uh, so we have Kaja and Jessica trying to pick themselves off the ground from being almost KO'd at the end of last issue. We have... Once again, the familiar battle cry of 10 billion years ago on the planet Maltus. Now we have Simon with the with the plethora of original Green Lantern rings, basically all the rings of people, all, <laughs> the rings of all the lanterns that have already died heading into this issue, which is a sizable number. And you, Simon's really cocky. He's like, "You want rings, Volthoom? Come and get them if you got the guts," which is real stupid. Uh, so he punched. So he really, he literally pisses off Volthoom. So all of us, so he starts spitting out red energy and everything. And it's like, I'm so close. You're making everything worse. Uh, now we get the little avarice popping out of him. It says, all I need is a travel lantern. You know, the garden. That's all I want. I want to go home. You know, it's and it's then almost. But it makes sense because he's channeling 
of Avarice here. He's being Laura Flea's ask. It's like, you got four of those rings. I want them all. Uh, Kaja belts him from behind. Uh, and then, uh, what's his face here? The, the Martian. Zekron. Which I like. This is a, he, he doesn't have much to do in this book, but, but I, I actually really like this scene. It's kind of, he deserved a better fate. He can he grabs Volthoom, he starts choking him, and it's like, you imagine yourself a god, but I know a criminal when I see one. The ring will reveal what is truly in your heart. And he's kind of, as he's reading Volthoom, he's kind of stunned by all this. It's like, it's like, your heart is in chaos. You're a man in pain. You need help. And, of course, Volthoom takes advantage of this hesitation, and he, you know, he blasts him with his ring, channeling red red energy and Zakran's you know pretty much dying at this point and he's he calls to Jessica as Jessica comes over to comfort him it's like the emotional spectrum is tearing him apart it's like you must help him you know to kill him would not be just uh, so uh, Tyranir here is kind of he's kind of he's really egotistical and it's like if Simon can stand up to you so can I meanwhile Lantern's 002 which is uh, Zakran's ring goes flying off searching for a new bearer Tyranir makes the energy construct sword and smashes Volthoom. You know, he, he actually uh, gets a couple of good shots in until Volthoom raises raises his hand, pretty much catches catches his broadsword in mid in midair, and he uses the emotional spectrum to pretty much uh, take care of it. And then all of a sudden, uh, we find out that of course Tyranir was actually following a plan. It wasn't just him being rash; that he allowed. He did this to distract Vol- Volthoom, so basically, and I did like this part too, where in honor of Brill, may you rest in peace, <laughs> Simon pretty much uses the same trap that Brill put on him, uh, times uh, <laughs> times four, you know, the impossible shape, impossible escape trap that Brill put on him last issue to keep him safe, he uses it on Volthoom, and, you know, Volthoom, you know, just kind of talking about, you know, you know, th- you can't. I'll just walk through this. This won't. This won't stop me forever. Jessica, you know, Jessica tries to appeal to him. It's like I know you're scared. You know, just you know, listen to me. And Volthoom's like, all I want to do is go home. It's like, I like, I'm afraid I'll never go home again. I'm afraid I'll never see my mom. Jessica kind of basically says, you know, I have the same kind of fears. It's like it's, but it's like, uh, you're not. You are not your fears. It's like, do you understand? And she kind of gives the pep talk. You imagine a big. A big bold green star, and this is kind of a weird moment. I thought Svolthum doubts himself that he's not strong enough to make this thing, and then Jessica's like, "Yes, you are. The stars are always there, just like your willpower." So he closes his eyes, and he and now he creates he creates the Emerald Sun uh, energy construct, and for you know for one you know for one brief moment, you know Volthum kind of like comes back to his senses, if you will, and. He kind of says, you know, I don't know what happened to me. They, as in the Guardians, they hooked me up to the emotional spectrum. And it's like I was on fire all the time. It's like all this destruction. I didn't want this. I just wanted to go home. I just wanted to save my planet. Everything got screwed. Very parallax-like. It's like everything got screwed up. It's like more or less kind of like he just wants to set everything right. It's like, will you please help me? Jessica's like, yeah, yeah, we'll help you. <laughs> Simon kind of kind of like whispers to her. like, yeah, Jess, do you really think this is a good idea? And she's like, you know, Simon, we can nip this in the bud now, and he won't blow up again in the future, you know, our present. And just at that moment, it's interesting that they're, they're blue handcuffs. But basically, Volthoom ends up being encased in blue, like in blue energy uh, shackles. The, the Guardians, being the Guardians, take advantage of this opportunity. It's like, quickly, while he can't concentrate, take him. And <laughs> like Volthoom's like, get your little hands away from me. <laughs> kind of like Taylor and Planet of the Apes. Get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty guardians! And it's like, get the ring, get the ring. So Volthoom's first lantern ring is removed, and Raimi's kind of actually, it's not Raimi at this point, right? It's Ganthet. Is it Ganthet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like this little ring brought us to the brink of extinction, and Volthoom deserves worse than death. Simon and Jessica are like, no, don't do that. He's helpless now. You know, Raimi, Raimi hovers down. And it's like rings return, and all of Simon's rings get called back to, to Raimi. Uh, Tyranir and, Ka- and Kaja's ring go, goes; they go back too. And more or less, Raimi looks exactly the same. And Raimi kind of realizes the ring on Jessica's finger does not come back, 
and that's when she kind of says, listen, you know, the, the reason is because we're from the future, and what you're going to do to Volthum is not going to work. You're, you're going to lock, you know, basically lock him up for a billion years, but he's going to get out, and it's going to be a disaster. And, Ra you know, Raimi kind of recognizes on their uniforms, they have the, you know, they have the green, the green lantern symbol. And you kind of, they say, oh, it's like, yeah, it's like, that's what we're trying to tell you in the future. There's a whole green, you know, the, there's, there are thousands of Green Lanterns like us. You change the universe. And, you know, Raimi's kind of like, you know, enough of this. You know, these rings pretty much, all these rings, all of this is a catastrophe. We have to lock them away. The emotional spectrum is too dangerous. It can't be controlled. And Simon's like, dude, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. You know, we can talk about this later, but, you know, Volthum, he's your damn fault. It's like you did your Frankenstein experiments on him, and you went back in your promises. You drove him insane. You have to let him go home, and which is kind of a debatable idea, too, but we'll talk about this after the issue. Volthum's kind of like on the ground going, no, no. Seemingly out of nowhere, Raimi starts being nice again. It's like, Volthum, I'm sorry, my friend. And Volthum is like, Raimi, I'm sane again like I was before. Listen very closely. I will kill you for everything you've done to me, no matter how long it takes. It's like, I know where these rings came from. You destroyed my travel lantern to make them. That was my only way home. And then he turns his attention to Simon and Jessica. It's like, you two, you were willing to help me. Now I will help you. And because and basically, Volthum activates Jessica's ring, which is a fragment of the travel lantern. And basically, he, he tells the ring to take them home. Uh, Raimi kind of reacts, no, stop. And Jessica and Simon pretty much get sent get sent through a warp, and now we kind of get we get a little bit of the background of what happened after. I guess this is how what supposedly originally happened in the original timeline, how you know they they honored the dead in the mausoleum, so they put the uh, they put the five of the seven original Green Lanterns that died already in in, in the mausoleum. Uh, Tyranir pretty much was was put in charge of defending the mausoleum because and Kaja left to became a famous scientist and eventually when she died her body was returned also to uh, to the mausoleum to be the sixth of the seven so we so obviously Tyranir if we get a little panel showing that Tyranir you know throughout the years basically defended there were other thieves like him who wanted, who who thought who who sought to basically get to get the rings and everything else and so he defended the defended the mausoleum, the corpses, the rings, everything against anybody who would take them. And he, he kind of, and he's tell he's telling the story now to to Raimi, so that's how we kind of like see all this. It's like, and you know, I, I never let a single invader pass until Volthum. After Baz and Cruz disappeared, he restored your soul to your body. And it's like why I do not know. Maybe it was a gesture of reconciliation. And Raimi's like unlikely he has he has the information he needs. Then just like that, boom! Simon and Jessica, you know, returning to the Vault of Shadows, and everybody, you know, they're all now everybody's all happy to see each other. Now, of course, uh, Jessica realizes who Tyranir is because so now they're and so does Simon. So they're all happy to see each other, and now you know, Tyranir has this moment when he goes, you know, Baz, for ten billion years I knew this belonged to you. You know, Ring, I submit my resignation. Resignation and the third and, and the third original lantern ring now leaves Tyranir and goes to Simon Baz, so he gets a Green Lantern ring back, which is kind of a cool splash panel. Uh, the second, the the opposing splash uh, splash panel page is not as impressive, but the you, you remember the words. It's like after all this, you better remember the oath. <laughs> so they kind of share the Green Lantern oath as they recharge as they recharge their rings. Uh, at this. Uh, Tyranir is about to die at this point, and then Raimi realizes, you know, hey, you, you know, I need all, the, I need all the power from your ring since you just recharged all of it now. And basically, Raimi uses that power to not only heal Tyranir to prevent him from dying, he de-ages him in the process. And <laughs> Raimi's like, phew, that should buy you like a, another thousand years, and it's good because I, I have a job for you. And basically, we find out that uh, that Raimi and uh, Tyranir are going to go off in search of the other, what, five, the other, but six now, right? Is it the six? Five. 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 Duh. Sorry, I zoned out. Simon just got the other one. The other five original Green Lantern rings, because Volthum is still out there, and we'll talk about that too. Vol the, our, our Volthum, current continuity Volthum, is still out there. He's going to be hunting down five of the original 
you know, Green Lantern rings. So more or less, there's going to be like a buddy mission between Raimi and Tyranier to try to go to locate them. Uh, which is kind of weird because, you know, Tyranier could really use that Green Lantern ring now. <laughs> or couldn't they give him another one? Uh, so at this point, then, then Raimi kind of goes, it's like, uh, these rings, they will always want to go home like Volthoom. We'll need to keep an eye on Earth, which means the two of you, basically Simon and Jessica, are now get they get to return home to Earth. Not just because they want to, but because they have a, they have to more or less defend it and keep an eye out for any stray lantern ring that might show up. So, thus ends the issue, and thus ends out of time. All right. Um, so at the beginning of the out of time arc, we were taken to the Vault of Shadows, and um, we saw some tubes with a Green Lantern symbol and a bunch of skeletons floating in it. Uh, save for one of these seven tubes. In those tubes were skeletons. We see those tubes several times again in this issue. When we see them again, we see what those skeletons are. They are supposedly the bodies of the original seven Green Lanterns. There are two empty because at the time, uh, Turinir and Kaja are still alive. And then when she dies, her body is brought to the vault, and she is inserted in there, leaving one open one, which is Tyranir, because he's still alive and doesn't yet need to be essentially preserved slash entombed. Um, <clears throat> one problem with that. If you look at these skeletons, they're all humanoid. Why is this a problem? Well, Kaja is from Yad Kalu. She's humanish. Um, obviously, she's got green skin and everything, but she's shaped, She's a humanoid. Alitha, from the Third World, humanoid. Janal of Krypton, humanoid. Zakrain Zran of Mars, I mean, yes, he's a Martian, but relatively speaking, because all these images are roughly from a certain distance, still Close a human... <laughs> yeah, close enough, a humanoid-type being. To Rainier, not... I mean, he could be theoretically humanoid yes. under all that, um, but he's not dead yet, so we don't have to account for him. That leaves Brill and Kaleen. Brill, a robot. <laughs> and Kaleen, a cosmic plant elemental who, when we saw her die, basically shattered into twigs. So I'd really like to know, how is Brill and Kaleen's skeletons in there? Because they're not humanoid. They don't have skeletons. We saw the birth of Brill. He is a sentient living robot. It's not like... You know, a doll like opens up and there's a little being inside of there. There is <laughs> no being inside of Brill. Brill is himself a living robot. Kaleen made up of tree stuff. How are there skeletons for these beings? Is it a huge plot point issue? Blah, blah, blah. No. Is it a very glaring artistic issue? Yes. Because, my God, are you paying attention to what you're doing. When you scripted the very first issue of this, uh, this story arc, what had happened was they were building up these beings before that story started. So clearly Sam Humphreys had an idea, a script in his head of who these people were. Why in the hell are there when you very first see the Vault of Shadows, six humanoid beings in there, when, excluding to Rainier, of course, because he's still alive, two of those six dead original lanterns are not even remotely humanoid. Kaleen, the plant elemental, when she was living, certainly, yes, she was, she was bipedal and everything, but she was made of tree stuff. No skeleton. We saw her die. Twigs. Like, and Brill, seriously no excuse. 
Like, that makes no sense to me. Does it affect the story in any way or anything like that? No. Does it, does it, when it, from a story point of view, it does not matter. From an artistic, people are going to look at this and critique it and say, was this a good story or not? That is a very glaring mistake that somebody should have caught. Because that's kind of BS. Do I have a problem with the art and the rest of this issue? Not really. I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, I'm not a big fan uh, of either of the covers. Um, I don't necessarily... Uh, the second cover, the one with John uh, with, with Simon Baz, kind of doing the Emerald Twilight, Green Lantern 49 ring thing, kind of. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's... Not an art style that appeals personally to me, but I can see its value, and I think it's a, a cool cover. Um, so I'm just dismissing it purely for personal uh, artistic preference reasons, not because I think it's a bad cover. But that specific feature about the, the interior art in there, that's just, no. That's not cool. Like, this is, it's, it's another example of what Byron said in that, uh, you know, that State of the Green Lantern universe episode. Like, we care more about this shit than the writers and the editors and everybody else on the title does. I mean, come on. That's really, it's a really obvious mistake, isn't it? It gets more annoying when when there's mistakes in, like, the same arc. Or when yeah. It's, you know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like where, speaking of, related to Volthoom, how... Before the Wrath of the First Lantern arc ever began, or actually before we first saw him at the end, we saw Volthoom at the end of uh, Third Army when he was trapped in the, when he was trapped. That when they, we first got that preview panel of what was supposedly the First Lantern that was in, that was the Guardians that were, you know, he was in, he was captured by the Guardians and they kind of were like t- talking to him and almost taunting him. His his look was completely different than what we got from Volthoom. You know, it was completely different, but yet they were foreshadowing that this was the first lantern, the guy that was that was captured. So it's kind of like it, they, when they, when they switch gears like that, it it beca- and and that was and that was at least almost like like maybe like an arc before it happened. This was in the same arc when they make it, and yeah, it 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 was not good. They 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 they, they, they should have caught that as as far as the. As far as these the, the seven original lanterns to begin with, too. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this to me this arc this arc kind of my basic critique. Well, that is several, but I'll, my overall critique, I think, of this arc is that this kind of is a critique we we usually talk about about the Venditti run and core. That the premise of this from the very beginning, when we when it seemed like they were going to be sent back into the past. To deal with the so we were going to see how Volthoom got beaten the first time and everything and how that happened. That was that was kind of interesting. The concept was interesting. Now they kind of ruined it for me. They kind of ruined it right off the bat because having Tyranneer recognize Jessica immediately in that first time they went to the Vault of Shadows, you knew what was going to happen. You knew that the whole arc was basically self-serving just to make Jessica more than Simon, but both of them theoretically. Be a unknown factor in some in a, in a in a time travel loop, which supposedly had happened before and will happen again, about how they were really ultimately responsible for beating Volthoom in the first place. And I would have been I would have even been willing to buy they had a role to play in beating Volthoom if this was like a new timeline that was created. But they didn't do it originally. They, Volthoom either on purpose or accidentally sent them back to that time because he wanted to go back there and. Then history kind of changes, and then Jessica and Simon played a role, as opposed to now, where all along they they were you know they were supposedly you know they were supposedly doing this over and over. They they did it, and they've done it, and they will do it over and over again. So I'm I wasn't a fan of that. The, the original seven I mean, the original seven I mean the original seven lanterns did nothing. I mean they were cool. Some of them were cool. I like Brill. I like Zagran. Um, but you know they were barely around to know to to even get to know them for the most part. Kaiser was a, I mean you you look at Kaiser and Tyranir a little bit more just because they lived. It's kind of like the Magnificent Seven. You always like it had usually you have like two, maybe three if you're lucky of the of the seven actually make it make it out alive. Uh, so 
but you you kind of imagine that these seven lanterns were going to be relevant, and or these seven lanterns really played a a, a major role in defeating Volthoom, and really they did jack shit. Really, they didn't do anything, unless you want to count unless you want to count uh, Tyranir's little distraction, which enabled Simon to put him in the in the trap, which led you know to the whole chain of events of you know Jessica talking him down. Other than that. They, all they were were cannon fodder for Volthum to kill, but at the same time, they were th- this story arc to me. Yeah, it's nice to quote unquote humanize Volthum, which we've gotten a lot of like over the past twenty something issues, or since they brought Volthum and the Phantom Ring into this book. But to me, they make his, physically they make him a lot weaker than you imagine Volthum was, because we saw we saw how powerful Volthum was in Wrath of the First Lantern before he had even recharged and gained full control again of the emotional spectrum, what he could do. And he seemed much more in control of what he could do and what he couldn't do. And it doesn't and him just sitting there stewing all the, you know, a billion years did not necessarily mean, it may increase his, his attitude, his willpower, his anger, but it doesn't mean he has the no, the, the know with all or the, and the experience and everything else. So I thought on that level, they kind of shortchanged kind of shortchanged Volthum in, in this arc. Um, I thought the Guardian... And that's... Certainly it's not how we envision the Guardians ever beating Volthum, but it is possible that... I can almost give that give them a pass on that one because it's almost like uh, how... How the how you know the how the legend becomes is better than the, than the truth, so you go with the legend. They, like like with in, in Game of Thrones, how, how there was this like glor- glorified or... Almost like romanticized vision of how how Ned rescued his sister from the tower or got into the tower, and then we find out that it wasn't didn't that it really wasn't that it wasn't quite that way when we actually saw it, you know Bran's image of it or vision of it. So it's kind of, so I could see the Guardians just hiding there until the very end, until more or less the dirty work was done, and then coming in with a cheap shot when no one's looking and doing that. So I could see that, but I think I think Volthum gets from a power perspective really gets shortchanged here as far as. Um, positive things I want to talk about the art. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed it. I didn't, ha- I didn't think it was outstanding or anything. Like it wasn't like, you know, just, you know, blew me away, but it was, I mean, I didn't see any, I don't have any problems with it. And, uh, I, it's an art style I enjoy. So it's not something that I can, you know, necessarily tear down or anything. Um, as far as the storyline itself goes, because I mean, let's face it, we're talking about the wrap up to not only, uh, a story arc, but to a run, it's 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 hard not to 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 review this and talk about the story because it's a story that's solely contained within this issue as opposed to the wider story because it is the end of an arc. Um, but I will say for an issue, it was okay. Um, is as the end of an arc though, not at all because one of the other positive things I'll say is. I didn't expect to care about really any of the original Seven Lanterns as much as I ended up caring about, say, Brill. Uh, you like Zakran more than I do, uh, but he was definitely intriguing. Um, I was more interested in, in, in characters like the Plant Elemental, just in terms of potential there. Uh, I at the By the end of this story arc, I did walk... I mean, it took this issue, but I did walk away liking Kaja and Turanir a lot more. Um, and I was curious about like some of the third world stuff that was happening. Uh, so like for me to care about X characters and even be curious to learn more about other of these characters that are newly created, that's not bad. That's a, that's you're, you're doing your job there. That's well done, but that's a yet, that's yet another problem with the way he created these characters in terms of tying one into Krypton and tying one into the third world and tying one into being a plant elemental that appeared on earth when it was first created, which is why I made the theory about it being connected to the green and tying one to the, to, 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 to all these different places within the DCU. You're curious about how that plot stuff resolves itself. Cause they made a big deal of like the third world. And and it's like, all right, well, 
how, how is she going to try and use this to help extend the third world? Are we going to come back to this conflict that we see here? Uh, Brill's whole adventure. He kind of gets an arc wrap. Like his point is to go find the creator and his, his whole arc was, you know, to, to find the creator, you have to protect the creation. So he kind of gets a resolution there in a way. You know, there's so much potential in the very, one of the very first lanterns being a Kryptonian and like trying to figure out what that would mean. Um, you know, it, there's, there's, there's a lot of potential there. And by tying them into all of these established things within the DCU, yeah, you kind of set them up as, oh, I want to know more, I want to know more. But when you kill them off, just like expendable characters, the same way you would kill off randomly new created characters from worlds we'd never heard of, what was the point of making them tied into the, the universe in the first place? All you did was set up something for us to learn and care about, but you completely killed them and there is zero way we're getting more stories with these people because they are dead. They get yep. their rings. They're, it'd be one thing if like there's some sort of time gap between the time they get their rings and the time that they show up on earth. But it's like, okay, here's their origin story for, you know, you know, here's the day or two before the ring comes and finds them or the day the ring comes find and finds them. The ring shows up, it recruits them, and it takes them all to Earth. They meet Jessica and Simon. They train. When they fly off of planet Earth, they run into this issue, and then they head over to Maltus. There is zero time between the moment they get their rings and the moment they die, the ones who do die, where you could learn more. There wasn't a delay. It'd be one thing if there was a delay for future creative teams to take advantage of. Like, it's one thing to have a creator introduce a character, do A, B, C, D with them, set up some potential stuff, and never come back to it again. Because that happens all the time. But this is, like, purposefully trying to tie them into the DCU, doing this completely expendable thing with them, and then closing that door forever. So why bother tying them in the DCU? There's no point to it. You can still make random new characters we care about, but why would you tie them into the DCU if you weren't going to try and hint at those stories or what could be told or A, B, C, D? You could have even said, Let, let's say that these characters were pulled... You and I know a lot about Green Lantern lore. Okay? Let's say... We were reading some issue from, you know, the 80s. And some Green Lantern made a passing reference to a legend he had heard from, of one of the, you know, of a lantern from a long time ago and blah, blah, blah. And that was just some random reference in the comic book. And it was never, it was an offhanded remark. It was never referenced again in the title. Who cares? Let's say that happened in like a Superman book a long time ago. You know, there was a there was a a, a Green Lantern or, or a, a Kryptonian that was part of the first search party named whatever. It'd be one thing if that's what Sam Humphreys was doing. He was taking these random little one-off characters that were mentioned, like in a Martian Manhunter title one here and a, a Superman title over here, and in like a Legion comic over here about Yad Kalu, like all this stuff. But that's not what he's doing. So I'm just completely miffed on like why he would even bother. It would. It's, he may have thought it was. It would be easier to take since you were going to have limited time with them anyway, and he knew what the, he was going to be doing with them as an offing them. That he may very well have thought it's easier to take characters from exist that have their own connotations and their own general histories of their people and expectations that come with people being from these planets and that that may have been why he, I think he picked them just because some of the some of the backgrounds and what they bring to the table is self-explanatory so that so that makes it easier when you when you're creating characters that you don't that you know are are not going to make it. Yeah. Uh, I think that could have been it. I don't think I also don't I don't think if they wanted these characters to resonate too I think they didn't have they could have killed off less of less of them. <laughs> they didn't need to kill off as many as they did. 
True. I mean that. Then, then theoretically, yes, we could revisit. We could have another story where you could go back and revisit them, even if they weren't lanterns anymore, or if they be, or they temporarily became lanterns again. Which brings me to another question. I don't mean to interrupt. No, feel free. The guardians show up. They intervene. They immediately are like, "We got to shut this thing down," and they do. It says in the comics, so we're right. The Green Lanterns are shunted off the table, and then several thousand years later, or whatever, they reconsider it with the Manhunters and the Green Lantern Corps. Okay? So, we're right about that. Great. So, Rainier still has his ring, so it's given back to him so he can guard the the, the, the Vault of Shadows, which, which makes sense because he's there to guard it. They need to give him the power to do so. That makes sense. Why does Kaja still have her ring? Because Tuvanir says in that one panel that Kaja shows up to visit him. She brings other Kaluans with her, which I'm assuming is her family. Who knows? She's wearing her Green Lantern uniform and has an aura around her. Why does she still have a ring? It makes sense for Turinir to still have one, just based on his location and his duty. Why does Kaja still have one? But it's an, if you look at the aura around her, it's kind of incomplete, though. So. But she's wearing her Green Lantern uniform. Yeah, I mean, unless unless it's one of those things because she's hugging him that it kind of like sparked it again. I don't know. I don't know. I agree. I agree because if you go, but but if you go back and you look at Raimi's hand, he's holding six rings in his hand. Uh huh. So I mean, I I don't know. Uh, there's, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of stuff with you know in this that does to me that the whole the whole issue some of it doesn't make any sense I don't like it makes no sense the Volthoom would would I think the Volthoom would even bother taking the time to put Raimi's soul back into his body assuming he still was carrying it with him like a, that little orb you know, that little sphere was like always with him somewhere that you never saw anymore why would he even bother taking the time to do that now. Hmm. I mean, you could say, yeah, because he wants to have his revenge on him down the road, but then he could have put the soul in his... He seemingly had bigger fish to fry when he, when he, was, when he was just petrified that Jessica took off with that fra- the one ring that he was able to find of the original with the, with the fragment of his travel lantern. That, which is another thing altogether which bothers me about this. This whole arc, this whole premise of this began, and Volthoom... Volthoom has kind of been a presence in this book probably for what, like about 20 issues now, give or take? Uh, since I think the Phantom Lantern arc started. Yeah, since right after Red Dawn. Yeah. So, we've been dealing with Vol- our Volthoom, current Volthoom, and yes, we got his origin issue and things like that. We've been dealing with that, and that's how this whole thing started, because current Volthoom in Raimi was trying to get back you know, a piece of the, his travel lantern and not the whole thing so he could go back to where he belonged and everything else. The fact that he disappears completely from this arc and the fact that we have no resolution to this other than, oh, he's out there somewhere. I mean, that, that was, I think that was kind of total BS. I mean, that's, it's like, talk, talk about it, again, a dangling, a dangling plot point that, Will be revisited at some point by somebody, but I wouldn't expect necessarily, you know, unless, you know, unless some of Humphrey's ideas are are going to be car- or where he was going to take the book was going to be carried forward, even though he's not doing it anymore. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like that that kind of was a lot of a lot of crap. We never we never even saw him again since Jessica and Simon got you know pulled. Once we actually saw Je- Jessica and Simon getting pulled into the into the past, and when they showed back up on Earth. We hadn't we haven't seen Volthoom, so that's just that's to me that's kind of that's kind of half-ass in it, and you know and again maybe because by the time he was getting to the scripting the, the final issues of this arc that he knew that he was going to be out of dodge soon so maybe he he got he kind of he kind of put that into stuff maybe he was going to deal with maybe ten or ten issues or so down the road or within ten issues he might deal with but he wasn't but he knew he was leaving. I don't know. I, I that that really bothered me. I think because that seems like a, kind of a to me that was a waste. I think that there was an, a a missed opportunity there too. So I'm not. No, I should point out for the record that 
theoretically, the, the solicits for issue 32 still show Humphreys as the writer. I don't know hmm. if that's accurate or not, but but 32 might might be his actual last issue. But either way, this is his last arc, no matter how you slice it. Uh, I I don't know. I I was I was kind of disappointed in this. Yeah. Arc. I, I mean, there were some cool aspects to it, but overall, yeah, I'd agree. I think it was ultimately it just seemed to be incredibly self-serving just to make Jessica a little bit Simon, but Jessica mostly you know the the savior of the Green Lantern Corps and the universe, but more importantly, making her again so important to the Green Lantern mythos. You want to know why Jessica Cruz has to exist? This is why. Oh, but they, and they don't even give us any real explanation, and we have no idea how that first ring ever kind of made its way all the way through time, and, you know, from the from its creation to where we are now. We have no idea why Jessica really ended up with that ring and where it went and all this stuff. So we thought for the people who were looking to get an explanation for you know why Jessica Cruz was having had that first ring or whatever, and we really didn't. We don't really get that. <laughs> Same with Emerald Sight. No explanation for Emerald Sight. Yeah, but, but and I agree. But and, but trying to be, play devil's advocate, maybe Humphrey, maybe Humphreys would have explained it if he was stayed on the book. And it doesn't mean that it won't be explained now. But at least that's the, that's an overall issue with the book that's been there for a while. But at least this whole thing about about Jessica's ring being one of the original seven and being part of the Travel Lantern that was something that was just thrown at us maybe like four or five issues ago. And you would think you were going to get a, a specul some speculation to why she ends how she ends up with that ring, but there is none. There really isn't any explanation given at all. So that that was a, that was a little disappointing too. All right. Anything else to say about this issue or this arc? Um, I don't know. I I did have like I said, just kind of reiterating. I did have a lot higher hopes for this arc, but I think. Mo- but a lot of those high hopes were already started to be, I think, short-circuited once we saw the whole tyranny or like, oh, Jessica, Simon, my friends. It's like, because from that point on, you knew, you knew what the whole point of this arc was. <laughs> if they had him like, if they had him like, you know, because it's been so long since he had seen them that maybe his, his memory was a little cloudy or he knew them, but he couldn't place where he knew them, something like that. And then, it hit, you know, then we finally get an explanation. Maybe like in this issue when he's talking to Raimi, that, that's when all the pieces come back. Then at least they would have had some kind of suspense about what Simon and Jessica's role was. It all was a foregone conclusion that Simon and Jessica were going to be the keys to de- defeating to defeating Volthoom, and it just I don't know. They yeah. didn't really even need the they didn't even really need the seven original lanterns at all. Really, other than I mean they could have I'm sure they could have. Well, then again, if they didn't create the rings, they wouldn't need someone to defend the rings in, in the mausoleum. So they really didn't need the rings. <laughs> Uh, jumping over to Twitter just real quick, uh, I mentioned uh, over on Twitter about um, the, uh, the, the 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 skeletons basically, and we got one reply on that from somebody named Cody, and he said uh, in two tweets he said I didn't really think of that. I figured they were humanoid shape, but the plant did something did some things that didn't look like she had a skeleton. I can only assume the Guardians picked up two random skeletons. Is this them? Huh? Oh yeah. Put them wherever were the others. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said to you today too. <laughs> I said, you know what? We'll do some grave robbing. No, we don't. We don't need those stinking aliens anyway. Throw them in there. <laughs> what if they were those two Maltusians that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That. That. that <laughs> they were palling around with them until he decided that he was going to go kill their kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. You traitors. <laughs> Uh, then I asked everybody over on Twitter, now that Green Lanterns 31 is out, what did you think of the uh, issue? And got a bunch of likes and, and retweets, but nobody answered, except for one person. Mark, have you checked Twitter? Do you have any idea who this one person was? I didn't check it today, so I, would, I, I don't know. Well, we had one one reply, and one reply only, from Ethan Van Skyver. He said, "Beautiful Brandon Peterson cover." He's talking about the uh, the uh, Simon, Simon Bass cover. Simon cover, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's still nice. Yeah. Ethan uh, was the only person who responded. So, good on you, Green Lantern fans who pay attention to us over on social media. <laughs> 
A creator reached out to us before you guys did. No, no, no prize for you. <laughs> but for Ethan, we'll have to come up with something. <laughs> um, speaking of you guys reaching out to us, uh, before Mark goes into the closing, this is 298. Meaning we're technically one episode away from 300. We need to hear from you guys about some stuff for 300. We can do like an AMA, like an Ask Us Anything. Keep in mind, Mark and I reserve the right to not answer a question <laughs> if we feel it's too personal. What um, color is your robe, Chad? <laughs> black. <laughs> uh, black with a hoodie. Uh, it, it shrunk in the wash. I really wish it didn't because when I when I had it, it was super long, super baggy, and the hood, you know, it would fit over the top of my head like a rocky hood. Like it was just hanging over, like it was just a really baggy hood and everything. So it felt like some sort of like a rocky robe. But it shrunk in the wash and now I'm upset. But anyways, it uh, still fits, but it doesn't fit like big and loose the way it used to. But anyways, um, yeah, episode 300, guys. Send in your questions about Green Lantern, about the show, about Mark or I. Send feedback, congratulations, you guys suck, like whatever you want to send. Episode 300 is like one episode away. We got 299 and then bam, 300 is in your face. So I, I really want you guys to get on that. Green, whatever, just something related to the show, us, how long the show's been on the air, Mark and I's tenure, so you guys suck. We like Jim and Dan. <laughs> like I don't care. <laughs> Send something in. It can email, voicemail, Twitter, Facebook. All possibilities are open. Send in your thoughts for episode 300. We have a contest going for this stuff. <laughs> okay? There is a prize. So long just, as you live in the U.S. To, just send it to Ethan now. <laughs> so, so long as you live in the United States, there is a prize. And it's not a shitty prize. <laughs> I mean, if you want, if you don't want it, I guess you could consider it shitty, but it's not a shitty prize. <laughs> Should I say what the prize is again? Yeah, I might as well. Um, Green Lantern Rebirth. The Jeff Johns written one. We're not talking about the Green Lantern era. This, this current era rebirth. We're talking about the OG Green Lantern Rebirth. Written by Jeff Johns. Featuring Hal Jordan and the whole stuff of Parallax and all that other stuff. The soft cover of Green Lantern Rebirth was mass-produced and packaged with two action figures alongside it in this box set. An action figure of Hal Jordan as a Green Lantern and an action figure of Sinestro as a Green Lantern. That box set can be yours. If okay? the price is right. <laughs> That's right. All you have to do is send in feedback for episode 300. Mark and I will read all the feedback... And judge between the two of us which one we think is our favorite bit of feedback, question, whatever. Can be an email, a tweet, Facebook, voicemail, doesn't matter. Whichever one of those is our favorite, and as long as you live in the continental U.S., <laughs> I will send that to you. I've got a bunch of other stuff, too, so you may get more than that. But at the very least, you'll be getting that box set. So. Get, your shelf, get your shelf ready, Ethan. I think you'll be the winner. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's already got it. It's based on his I'm art. I'm sure he does. That's why it won't be much of a prize. <laughs> so if they want to send in all this stuff for episode 300, how do they do so, Mark? See, I had something else to say, Chad, before you before you did that. Oh. But it's all, all right. right. I, I can still do the closing, but <laughs> it'll be uh, – now, let me – I want to ask you this. Did you see the, have you seen the solicits for December yet? Uh, yes. Okay. So from a speculation perspective, do you think the us finding out something about the Templar Guardians is going to be related to that controller arc? Yes. I do too. Because <laughs> they're probably chained up somewhere. <laughs> They've probably been captured for four years. <laughs> Bread and water. Uh, and the only other little thing I wanted to ask you, what, what did you think about the Mr. Oz revelation? I'm gonna need more issues to figure out if I care. It was it was disappointing. Uh, eh, disappointing maybe is not the right word. It was 
Not at all what I was expecting. Kind of a corny reveal. But once we get the explanation, I mean, it was, it was it, issue. Yeah, g- yeah. Give give me the explanation for how slash why. Doctor Manhattan. And then then I will I, I I will form my opinion on it because basically all I have to go on is the the page turn reveal, and that's not enough for me. I mean, sure, the character showed up towards the beginning of Rebirth, and he shows up here before he's revealed as who he is, but mm, I don't know. I don't think so. And then there's and then there's always the question, which I guess I think Jeff John I think Johns was the one I think who was first using him. I think back in the whether this reveal who he is is actually who he was always supposed to be because there's always a possibility that they switch gears. It would be nice to know if that was the you know. As much as they will tell you, because it could be going with the, com- the company line and saying, "Oh yeah," even though that may not have been the case, it would be curious to know whether, from the from the time that character was first showing up, which I believe was towards the end of the New Fifty Two run, whether whether Mister Oz was always intended to be. Uh... Well, I guess we can say who he is now, especially by the time. Well, no. Nah. Yeah. Wanna? Nah. Even though by the time it comes out, it's gonna be like about a month since the issue came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah. Okay. Uh, for, for those curious about what we're talking about, go pick up Action Comics number 987, which is starting the Mr. Oz story arc. <laughs> the Oz effect. That's right. All right. Now we can now we can put this sucker to bed. Uh, so if you would like to send us things related to episode 300 or this episode or anything else along the way, lanterncast at gmail.com. That is the easiest way to contact us. Also, the voicemail is 708Lantern, so you can contact us that way. The, the website, lanterncast.com. Check out everything we have there. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast, people, to find us on both of those. iTunes, Stitcher, we're on both. And please leave us a positive review to whichever platform you happen to listen to us on. And next episode, we're not 100% sure yet. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's that's one of the ones we have up in the air right now. So it'll be as much a surprise to you as it is to us, well, <laughs> with only slight a, a slight bit of lead time. <laughs> we we have a general idea, but we have like what three <laughs> three ideas? Yeah, we have we have we have a, we have at least uh, a, a plethora of options to decide between. Uh, that's right. And, and what, but a, one of them is not Lord Fleece. <laughs> Which you probably can say for every episode between between now and 400. <laughs> None of those will be Lord Fleece. All right, guys. Episode 300 is coming. Get your shit in. All right, talk to you later. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night.